You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. One more time, thank you, Jesus. Can we give a big hand to Feast Worship for leading us to the powerful presence of King Jesus? Can you also clap for the person beside you for being here in spite of the odds of life? You don't know what it took for them to be here today. And so we celebrate together under the banner of our Lord Jesus. I want to invite you right now to say our favorite prayer here at the feast. Are you ready? Join me in signifying the greatest symbol of love as we come in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Raise your hands, everybody, from the front to the back, all across this beautiful new home. And say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's Word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. Shout this out. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I ask you to lift up your hands, even if you're online, stand up in honor and reverence for God's Word as we all sing. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want you to remain standing just for a few more seconds. Bow down your heads. And feel the presence of Jesus palpably, tangibly, all around us. Father, as we break open your word, we pray that there will be a flood of wisdom all across this place. There's someone here who's, who's come today leaning in and yearning for a message that they need for this week. And I pray that as I speak this message, you will translate it across the waves and the frequencies so that when they receive it, it will not just be powerful, but it will also be personal. Let them hear this word and let it change them so we can become more like your son, Jesus. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time, everybody, lift up your hands. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Give the Lord a big hand, everybody. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can take your seats on your way down. Touch your neighbor and say, God is here. Ah, so good. Are you happy that you're here? Welcome to our new home. Welcome home. Yeah, I'm going to go jump straight into the talk. Um, one of the privileges and the luxuries of a married person, 
Or should I say, okay, let me say it this way. The luxuries of life, they vary from season to season, depending on whatever season that you're in. You know, it will dictate what kind of luxury that you enjoy. Like for instance, can, can I see the hands of all the moms here, all the mothers? We have two kids at home, and I notice this with, when it comes to my wife, that the luxury of a mom, especially a new mom, is very different from a mom who has kids who are all grown up already. What do I mean by that? If you're a new mom, you can probably relate to this, that the luxury of, for instance, my wife, if, if my wife is watching online, the luxury of my wife is not being able to shop whatever it is that she needs, it's not being able to travel to any destination that she dreams of. No, that's not her luxury. Would you like to know what the luxury of new moms would be? It's being able to pee in peace. <laughs> that precious 20 seconds that your son and your daughter is not looking for you, that's luxury for, for the moms. You know, our, we have a one-year-old now, but I remember our five-year-old, he was so clingy. That when my, my wife would disappear, mommy would disappear, he would start behaving like the world would crumble. Can moms relate? Can you say amen if you can relate? Kanyan ang mga anak natin, di ba? Parang nawala ka lang ng 20 seconds. Parang gumuguhu yung mundo nila. But you know what? That's a pattern that happens in life. Not just when, when, when you have kids. Let's paint a picture so you can understand it more, okay? Let's call this person Princess. If there's anybody here named Princess, this is purely coincidental. This is not based on your life, okay? So let's imagine Princess. She's two years old. She's very clingy to mommy. So when mommy disappears, you know, she starts crying and acting out like mommy disappeared because you know what? That's very understandable. Kids feel like their parents are a part of them. So when they disappear, you know, they feel like, you know, they're nothing. Their identity is gone. But you know what? One day will come when Princess will grow up and eventually she will also outgrow mommy. But in reality, she's not really outgrowing mommy. You know what's happening? She's replacing mommy with something else. Whether it's a barcada at the age of 15, whether it's a job at the age of 21, whether it's a boyfriend at the age of 25, whether it's a spouse at the age of 32. But here's one thing. I'll, I'll, I'll show you the pattern, okay? Eventually, princess grows up. She replaces mommy. Takes control of her life. And eventually, 15 years old, the same pattern happens. How? Through her barcada. One day, her barcada forgets to invite her to that special party. So she starts crying and feeling, you know, they're not really my friends. So she starts looking for other friends. But eventually, life becomes good because they text her again. But at the age of 21, what happens? Eventually, she outgrows her barcada because of her job. She now has a career. But one day will come. And the company will, 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 will downsize and then she gets retrenched. And now she's asking a question, who am I without my job? So she tries to look for another job to control things. That's what's happening, right? But then eventually, her job is replaced by a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And then one day, that boyfriend dumps her or that girlfriend breaks up with her. And now she doesn't know who her identity is. And then a day will come at the age of 32. When she will see all of her friends now married with two babies and now she's struggling. Why does it seem like I'm invisible to guys? And she's trying to take control of things. And then at the age of maybe what? 45. 
She doesn't have a single property under her name. Princess. She doesn't have a single property to her name. She doesn't have a single Hermes or LV bag. And she sees all of her friends successful. Now she feels like she's a failure. What is the pattern happening here? In moments of uncertainties, you know what we do? We create false gods that we think we can control. But one day will come and you realize that these are all false gods and you cannot control anything. And then you realize that there's only one God that you, can con- that you can not control. But He is in control. So my message for you today is this. It's very simple. I want you to shout this out. Are you ready? Let God be God. Shout it out. Let God be God. We are at the part of our study in the book of Exodus. We got two more weeks before we end Exodus. On December 11, we're going to have a special Christmas feast, and I hope that you can come here, celebrate Christmas with us. Is that okay? But two more sessions, and then we end Exodus. And right now, we are at the part of Exodus where Moses is now up on the mountain in Mount Sinai. Were you here last week? No, sorry. Last week was feast conference, but two weeks before. Moses is now up in Mount Sinai, while the Israelites were down the mountain. And then something happens. I want you to turn, if you've got a physical Bible, especially if you're online, some of you love taking notes. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. And um, we're going to read this together. Verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down, everybody say, so long in coming down. You can highlight that in your Bible. When they saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So what's happening here is that there was a little delay. Right? Moses was up on the mountain. They were waiting for him. And you know what? I can certainly understand what the Israelites were going through. Why? Because how many of you would agree with me when I say this, that every issue in every relationship often starts when someone disappears on you? Yes? Have you ever been ghosted by anybody? Raise your hand. That sucks, right? I hate that. That's often the start of an issue. Kapag nawala yung partner mo. And then they cannot, they cannot be seen. I mean, Moses was not gone overnight. You know, it wasn't like an overnight trip to Mount Pulag or Mount Apo. He wasn't gone for two days. No, he was gone for 40 days. No tweet, no message, no email, no nothing. No smoke signal to tell them that he was okay and for them to wait for him, nothing. So you can imagine the restlessness of the Israelites, right? You know, one of the things that I am annoyed with at the most is that whenever somebody messages me, and I'm guilty of this, by the way, sometimes, somebody would message me and then I would reply. And then they would disappear on you. You ever experienced anything like that? Iba guilty dito. Peace. And then for about a week, they resurface. And I'm like, what happened? Did you get kidnapped or something? Did you get abducted by aliens? Did you fall under, you know, like quicksand? And, and now you're just back? I mean... It's, I can understand where the Israelites are coming from, but I can also understand where Moses was coming from because think about this. Moses was with his Lord. 
How many of you know this, that sometimes you spend so much time with God, there are moments when you lose track of time? Yeah? You, you, you get lost in His presence. Anybody here who knows what I'm talking about? Time just stops and you're with the Lord and you notice time has gone by. So that's what Moses must have felt like. You know, he spent so much time with the Lord, he forgot. He forgot. But here's my theory. It's not that he actually forgot, but he understood the delay because God had a purpose. Are you listening? Everybody say, I'm listening. My dear friend, when you know and when you believe that God has a purpose even through the delays of life, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to mind waiting. Amen? It's going to be okay for you to wait. Why? Because you know that God is working. If you know that God is cooking something good in the kitchen, you're going to take your time and wait for that beautiful thing. So now, here's my question. If we know that there will always be delays in life, that sometimes you have to wait in life, my question is this. How do you deal with the delays of life? Would you like to know? Okay, three people would like to know. Would you like to know? Okay, I'll share with you a story. Okay, quick, quick story. I remember three years ago, Right about the same time this year, I was traveling to Cebu because it was KCON week. We used to call it KCON, Kerygma Conference. Now we renamed it to Feast Conference. But I was traveling to Cebu. Traveling, by the way, with Feast Worship. You know, Mike, Vea, Vernon, the, 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 the group was there. Some of them were there. And you know, some of the greatest delays in life, if you can agree with me, it usually happens in airports. You notice that? Like there would always be flights delayed and sure enough, our flight was delayed. And no, not just for 10 minutes, not just for 15 minutes, but for hours. And every time there's a delay in the airport, what happens? There are disgruntled passengers. So sure enough, people started fighting with the front desk. And no, 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 just to point it, make it clear, it wasn't feast worship, okay? They're good, they're good. Mike and Rhea, they're good. But some people started fighting with the front desk. But in the middle of all those things that were happening, I vividly remember this. There was this one elderly gentleman just sitting. In the middle of all those situations happening, he was sitting in that departure lounge and nothing could affect him. He knew what was going on. He was part of the delay, but he was just calmly reading his book, smiling. There was this look of contentment in his eyes. And you know, in that moment, I had a reflection. My reflection was this. In life, there will always be delays. Sometimes you got to wait. Why? Because it's in the waiting where God will reveal to you your true character. It's in the delays of life where God will tell you how you're behaving. So here's my point. I truly believe this. Everybody say one more time. I'm listening. I believe that God is more concerned about your attitude in the departure more than your disposition at the destination. Let me say that again. I believe that God is more concerned about how you behave when you're in the departure area more than how you celebrate when you're already at the arrival. Because think about it. It's easy to celebrate when you already got the breakthrough, the answered prayer, the boyfriend you've been praying for, the job promotion that you have been praying for. It's easy to celebrate when you already got your answered prayer. But it's a completely different thing when you're still waiting at the departure area and then there are delays in life. My question is, how do you behave 
Do you behave just like that elderly gentleman that I spoke about who just calmly accepted and trusted that there is a plan, there is a purpose, maybe God is protecting me through the, this delay? Or are you going to be that type of toddler, like princess, who will act out, who will go into a tantrum because she, mommy is not there or daddy is not there? How will you behave when you experience the delays of life? I'm going to share with you three messages. How many? Three messages, three practical messages based on the passage. And here's the first message. If, you're, if you love taking notes, you can take notes right now. The first message is this. You cannot tame God. Can you say that with me? You cannot tame God. I want you to check out how the Israelites respond to the delay of Moses. It says in, in verse 32, chapter 2. And so Aaron answered them after they said, let's make other gods who will come before us. Aaron answered, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Aaron is the brother of Moses. He took what they handed to him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, you know what he did? He built an altar in front of the Lord. In front of the Lord. Tinakpanya si Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. And then verse 7, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I have commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So the, the story is very simple. In the absence of Moses, they become restless. And in their restlessness, they take matters into their own hands. They come before Aaron and said, Aaron, can, you, can we make other gods? Who will come before us. You know the problem? It seems to us that when you read it, the problem starts when they said, let's make other gods before us. But you know, to me, personally, this is my, my, my opinion. The problem started when Aaron listened. He listened. I mean, as a leader, I believe that it's so dangerous if you're the kind of leader who will only listen to popular opinion. If you're the kind of person who will only just listen to the voice of the majority. Because how many of you know that the popular opinion will not always be the best opinion? Yeah? Just in the same way that the will of the people will not always be the will of God. I want you to be the kind of Christ-centered follower that, yes, you listen to the popular opinion. But you're more leaning in and dependent on the leading of the Spirit. Because if you're only listening to the voice of the majority, you know what's going to happen? You're going to make the same mistake as Pontius Pilate. Pilate, listen to the public. What was the public saying? Crucify him. So sometimes we make mistakes because we listen to popular opinion, and that's what happened to Aaron. A point will come in your leadership where sometimes you need to call out what is idolatry and then tell people, this is not who we are. This is not God. I did not raise you up this way. That's the kind of leader that we need. So what did they do? They listened. He listened. And so they fabricated this, this golden calf and they worshiped this deity. You know what? Question. How will you know if 
what or who that you're worshiping right now is actually God or a false God. Would you like to know? Two ways. Oops. Lord. <laughs> two ways. Two ways. Very practical. Number one, take a look at your calendar. That's number one. Take a look at your calendar. And number two, take a look at your budget. Why? Those two variables. When you ask those two variables, when you take a look at them, they will ask you two questions. Where do I give my time? And where do I give my treasure? And depending on what your answer is to that question, that will reveal to you who your God is. Do you give your time generously? Everybody say generously. Do you give your time generously to your job? Yes, you love your job, right? But there is a point in which sometimes you give so much time to your job that your job becomes your God. Do you give your time so much to your hobbies? It's good to be healthy, to be active, but there comes a point in your life where you give your time so much generously to your hobbies that it becomes your God. So on and so forth. The second question is, where you, do you give your treasure? Do you give it to organizations and you don't never give in church? Then maybe the organizations are your gods. Ask yourself the question, where do I give my time? Where do I give my treasure? Because by nature, my dear friends, wherever you give your time and your treasure generously, that will become your God. Take a look at the Israelites. What did they do? They said, give your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. And what did they do? They gave it. They gave their treasure. They gave their time because that's who they worship. I have another valid interpretation to this story, by the way. Bible scholars believe that, you know, in their heart, the Israelites, in their genuine heart, they actually believed that they were actually worshiping God. This was a common practice in the ancient times where they used to believe that God would inhabit a particular idol. Like, for instance, I'm not just talking about a person, I'm talking about an artifact. Like, for instance, an amulet. They would believe that God would inhabit a pendant or, or yung mga anting-anting, may, may bato. May, may, ano pa ba yung mga ginagamit ng mga tao? They believe that God would inhabit something. You know what? There's a danger when you believe something like that. Number one, because if you believe that God would inhabit a single thing, like, you know, if God, if God would inhabit this handkerchief, if you need God, what would you do? You take Him out. Because you need God. But when you, need God, when you don't need God, you put Him back in your pocket. So what's happening is that God is turning into this very convenient commodity. If you need Him, poof, He's there. If you don't need Him, you tuck Him in. God becomes a genie. But God is not a genie, my friend. He's not somebody that you rub a lamp and you get your three wishes. Uh-uh. This is the way that they tried to control and tame God. And that's what we do. When we need God, it's convenient. He's there. When we don't need Him, we forget about Him. But how many of you know that you cannot tame God? Raise your hand. You cannot tame God. How many of you here can control God? Is there anybody here who can control God? Yeah? If you can control God, you know what that makes you? That makes you God. Right? You cannot control God. Let God be God. Let God be God. Sometimes you pray like God is a genie. You rub the lamp. Lord, here's what I want. God is not a genie. You don't pray to get what you want. You pray to know what God wants for you. Say amen. amen. 
That's the first lesson. You cannot tame God. Here's the second lesson. God is the source of your ultimate worth. Can you say that with me? God is the source of my worth. Amen. I'm sure some of you might be thinking, what was Aaron doing? Shouldn't have he have been, you know, the representative of Moses? He was a trusted spokesperson. He was left in charge. Why was he doing this? Why was he making a false idol? You want to know why? Simple answer. Because Aaron preferred to please men more than pleasing God. That's a lesson for somebody here. I want you to read this very funny conversation between the two brothers. Moses said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such a great sin? And then Aaron says, Do not be angry, my Lord. Aaron answered, You know how prone these people are to evil? They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, Whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. And then they gave me the gold and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Check out what Aaron was doing. He's like to Moses, bro, I took some gold, I threw it into the fire and then poof, out comes this golden calf. Come on. I know fake news when I hear it. That's not real, right? That's, that's disinformation. But what was happening? Aaron was playing the game we all like to play. The blame game. It's not me, it's you. He's playing the blame game. <laughs> he was playing the blame game. And mind you, this is a hyperlink. Where? All the way to the book of Genesis, the time when Adam blamed Eve and then Eve blamed the serpent. Because in life, my friends, it's never really your fault, right? It's always going to be somebody else's fault. A time will come, my dear friends, where you will need to start owning up to the things that you've been doing and to start coming before God and saying, Lord, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. And you know, we, we offer confession here at the feast every time. Make use of it. Come before the Lord and confess your sins. Make Him wash your sins away. Own up to the sins that you have committed. He was playing the blame game. Why? Number one, because he was very insecure. He was such an insecure leader. And when you think about it, for me, the reason why he did what he did was because he let flattery get the best of him. Did you know that flattery is another form of idolatry? Did you know that? Or are you just nodding your head so that I don't address you? Did you know that flattery is another form of idolatry? Let me explain. People please you. People appreciate you. People confirm you. People commend you. And then you got this feeling in your identity. I'm worthy. Because people appreciate me. They're complimenting me. So now this person becomes your idol because whenever you approach them, you feel like you're a plant that's fully watered. But the problem there is that when that person walks away from you, they walk away with your identity. You've been going to people and places to look for your identity, not realizing that the places and people that you go to are also broken. Go to God. Jesus' mission is to turn you from woundedness to completeness. It's Jesus. Only He alone can complete you. 
And I came to announce this to somebody here today because you've been running from relationship to relationship, from church to church, from organization to organization looking for who you are. I'm telling you, you don't have to run to people or places to know who you are. Why? Because God has already approved of you. God already made you worthy. Can you shout this with me? Shout, I'm worthy. Shout to the person beside you, you're worthy. God already approved of you. You don't have to go to that person anymore because you think that that person will give you your worth to please people. God already approves of you. That's the good news today. Amen. Here's the third message. The third message is that God wants a close relationship with you. Chapter 32, verse 9, it says, I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they, have a, they, are, they are a stick-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. And he said, Lord... Why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your descendants all this land I promised them. And it will be their inheritance forever. And then in verse 14, Then the Lord relented and did not bring on His people the disaster He had threatened. You know, this is a very controversial passage. Let me explain why. If you're reading this with an oversimplified lens, you know what's going to happen? You're going to end up asking three questions. Number one, why does it seem like God had a temper problem? Like God was this wrathful God. That's the first one. The second one is, why does it look like Moses was more merciful than God? Did you feel that? He was pleading for the people and God was so angry. And the third question, and I believe this is relevant to a lot of you. Is this how God works? That if I persist enough with my prayer, God is going to sway his mind and he's going to change his mind and he's going to listen to my prayer? Is that how it works? You know, I persist so much in my prayer. Just like that one single lady who prayed to the Lord at the age of 25. Lord, I want a good man. And then at the age of 30, still nothing. And then she said, Lord, I want the best man. And then still nothing. By the age of 35, she says, Lord, I want any man. <laughs> and then by the age of 40, still nothing. And she says, Lord, please, the man. <laughs> Is that how it works? You persist enough in your prayer and God will listen to you? Okay. Quick, quick lesson. Whenever you're reading, especially the Old Testament, I want you to remember that this is an ancient text coming from an ancient time. You're not going to understand this with modern lenses. So what you need to know is the context. And the context is this. A time when the author wrote this, he was using a language that they used to refer as um, anthropomology. Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. Everybody say anthropomorphic. Okay, you, you don't need to memorize that. You're not going to use that tomorrow. Anthropomorphic language. What does it mean? Anthropomorphism is where you, you apply human attributes to things that you do not understand. Like, for instance, non-human entities or concepts or, or insights. And in this case, when you apply anthropomorphic language to God, 
you're applying human attributes to understand the, un- the, the, the incomprehensible God. That's why if you notice in this passage, the author was sort of like giving a personality to God. God, God had a temper. God had this unique temperaments because there was one simple point. Ask me what? He was saying that God is somebody that you could talk to, that you could negotiate with, that you could plead with, that you could argue with, simply because God is somebody who cares enough to listen to you. Now, why is that important? Ask me why. One more time, why? Think about it. If God is somebody who could get mad or angry because of what you do, it simply means one thing, that God cares about you, that God loves you, Doesn't it make you happy to know that there is a God who loves you? Come on, clap your hands. Clap your hands. God cares about you. Can I move you now to stand up as I close? It's a hard message to preach. And I'm over time. (laughs) I want to close this way. In reality, my friends, God did not want to destroy Israel. In as much as He didn't want to destroy Egypt. He loved Egypt. He loved the Egyptians. He loved the Israelites. But sometimes God's justice takes over. And there are consequences to the things that we do. But I'm glad that God's mercy is also there. And God will often use intercessors to intercede on your behalf. Just like He used Joseph to intercede for Egypt. To save the land of Egypt. And God used somebody like Moses to intercede for the Israelites. Let me fast forward all the way to verse 31. Moses says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But he says, But now, if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. What was Moses doing? He was sacrificing his life for the sake of the Israelites. God would use intercessors like Joseph and Moses, but ultimately, God used Jesus to intercede for you and me. Moses sacrificed himself for the sins of the Israelites, but Jesus, he sacrificed his life for the sins of mankind, for you and me. And Jesus, when he went up on that cross, he said, same thing, Father, forgive them. Forgive him. Forgive him. Forgive her. Forgive her. Forgive her. Forgive him. Forgive forgive them. Forgive me for all the things that they do not do. And he climbed upon that cross and he says, I'll take their place. I'll receive their punishment. I'll bear their burden. And I pray that this will make you fall in love and want Jesus more in your life. Because the truth is, my friends, this is the God that we worship. He's not a false God. He's not a false God. You cannot control Jesus, but one thing you can control is the amount of faith and surrender that you can give to Him. I pray that today as you stand there, that you finally dethrone all the false gods in your life and allow Jesus, the one true King, to reside in your life. Are you ready to do that? Can you lift up your hands? Father, we have allowed false gods to rule us, to reign over us, but today it stops. Today we offer our lives to surrender it to you. We bow down to your Lordship, King Jesus. Come and take your place and have your way. We want you, Jesus, into our life. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. 
subscribe to Feast Radio, and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.